All right, how is everyone today? Everybody okay? Did you, did you have to shovel out? No, God is good. Amen. All right, okay. He was now an old man. He had, ser- he had faithfully served his God for many, many years. We have no idea what he experienced in his life. But what we do know is that he was considered a man of faith. And he was considered a good man. He and his wife never had any children. And yet, his faithfulness to God brought him to becoming a priest. And as a priest, he served the Lord faithfully. His name in Hebrew meant the Lord remembers. And yet, from what we can tell historically, he would have wondered if God truly did remember. The nation that he loved so much had not heard from God in 400 years. The people that were part of his heritage had been living under the rule of another dynasty. And being part of the priesthood at that time meant that every so often they would, they would cast lots. They would have a kind of lottery. And there were so many priests that if the lottery fell on you, you were allowed to go to the temple and burn incense before the Lord. And there were so many priests at the time that if you got the opportunity to burn incense in the temple for God, it was probably the only time in your life you would likely have the opportunity to do that. So on this particular occasion, the lot fell to this man. And he entered into the holy place and began to burn incense to the Lord as part of his privilege and his honor as a priest. And as he was in that quiet place, the angel Gabriel appeared to him. And he was afraid. And Gabriel said to the man, don't be afraid because I come to give you a message that you are going to have a son. And the man, shocked at what he heard, could not believe it. And Gabriel said to him, listen, I stand in the very presence of God, the creator, each and every day. And what I tell you is true. And the man said, how, how can I have a son when I'm so old? And, and my wife, that's just an impossible thing. And Gabriel said to the man, because you doubt, because you don't believe, you are not going to be able to speak until the baby is born. And the man at that point was not able to speak And the angel said one last thing. You will call his name John. Because in that day, tradition held that you would hold the name of the father and you would continue the living of your family. So the man that we know as Zechariah Zechariah, could not speak 
during the entire duration of the pregnancy. And then the baby was born. And people ran right away and said, Oh, your son Zechariah is born. And Elizabeth, his wife, said, No, no, no. His name is going to be John. And even Zechariah wrote a note and said, No, his name is John. And at that point, his voice came back. And when his voice came back, he spoke words of a prophecy that God had given him. And it's those words of a prophecy that we are going to look at this morning. Let's begin at Luke 1.67. Then his father Zechariah whose name again means the Lord remembers, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant, David. And I love this line, just as he promised through his holy prophets long Ago. Here's a man, by all accounts, a faithful servant of the Lord, someone who had committed his life to this, to this element that we call faith. This element that so many times we, 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 we throw around. And yet there's moments in our lives where that faith becomes crystallized by situations or circumstances that is the only thing that holds us to any kind of a reality. For 400 years, God had not spoken. The nation of Israel felt the quiet of God, felt the silence of the Lord, felt the burden of a nation that held them in captivity in their own land allowed them to worship, allowed them to exercise their faith. But in some ways, it almost felt harmless because God had not made himself known as he had in the past. And here is this priest, and here is this man of God, and here is this man of faith who has experienced all these things in his lifetime, and yet he held on to this truth that it was coming to realization now in this moment that the promises of God that were cast so long ago by, another, by prophets was now coming to fruition, was coming to bear, that history was now becoming a realization of what the prophets had spoke long ago. You, you see, for some of us, Our experience doesn't necessarily align itself with the faith that we say we have. And it's that faith that we have in the midst of those experiences that carry us. And we say, you know what? God has said this in his word. And that's what I'm hanging on to. I know God is good. I know God loves me. I know everything that God does is good. But there are times in our lives where we struggle even to accept and acknowledge that. 
For Zechariah, it wouldn't have been any different. All of his experience would have been the silence of God. And yet now when God spoke, now when God was moving in the nation, now when God was making himself known again, that faith that this man and his wife had was now being crystallized into a reality that confirmed the word of God from so many years ago. It was so volatile to have this happening in his life, that he could hold on to something so tangible in his life. Let's, let's keep reading the prophecy as Zechariah gave it. Now, he said, now. Notice, notice the word now. The word now is very appropriate. I've waited, we've waited, we've waited, we've waited. We've, we've, we've depended on the promises. Our faith has carried us through the circumstances. Our faith has carried us through the situation. And now, and now, as God revealed himself in this moment, we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant. The Jewish people lived under this covenant that God would bless them, that God would honor them, that God would keep them if they remained faithful and true to the promises they made to be in covenant with God. And though so many centuries earlier, here is Zechariah recognizing the hand of God in being faithful to the covenant that he established with his people. The covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear. In holiness and in righteousness for as long as we Here's the point I need to stress. Each and every day, we make a conscious decision to fight our fleshly belief. Um, because we live in a, in a culture that says God is all about how we feel. That God's all about a feeling. And in some respects, that's true. In some respects, we do lean towards the experience of God. But for Zechariah, it wasn't just the experience. It was the truth of God that kept him going day in and day out. You see, that's the wonder about this time of year. It's not just about how we feel about this time of year. It's about the truth of this time of year. It's about what we celebrate, why, why we carry ourselves through through this, this time of year in the way that we do, because we say it's not just about lights. It's not just about tinsel. It's not just about gifts. It's not just about, it's about something more wonderful. It's something more magical. It's something more, more permanent. It's something more eternal. It is something that only God has brought into this world. The giving of his son, the life, the light, the one that allows us to live 
in the midst of the difficulty, knowing that there's a promise that God gave long ago that we can hold on to in faith that can carry us through the worst situation and difficulties that we manage. And in holiness and in righteousness for as long as we live. You know, I like that line for, for, for a particular reason. This is why I like that line. For many of us, if we don't have the kind of favor that we believe God should give us, we wonder, why do I bother living in holiness and righteousness? Why do I bother doing good? Why do I bother doing the right thing? Why, why should I even care if God doesn't appear to care himself? Why should I do the right thing, the good thing? Why should I be honorable and serve others? Why? But here is Zechariah, who, after all these years, managed his faith, believed in God, knew that God had made a promise, knew that God had made a covenant, didn't even ever get a guarantee that he would ever see it come to fruition or realization. But here he is, here he is saying, in holiness and in righteousness, we can serve God without fear for as long as we live and for Zechariah, the moment of his end could have been the very next day because he had come to that age in his life. But in righteousness and in holiness, he realized none of it, none of it before God gets wasted. None of it before God gets forgotten. None of it before God becomes unimportant. Because every step that we take in holiness and righteousness demonstrates and witnesses and, test, and gives a testimony to the wonder and the beauty and the majesty of the God we serve. Of the God we serve. I love, <laughs> I love what Oswald Chambers wrote. He said, it is the most natural thing in the world to be scared. And the clearest evidence that God's grace is at work in our hearts is when we do not get into panics. The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Let's, let's continue reading. And you, my little son, and you, my little son, can you imagine a father over his baby and to say, you, my little son, God has a plan for you. God has a hope for you. God has a future for you. That you will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. It comes right out of Isaiah 40. And for Zechariah as a servant and a, and a priest of the Lord, to hear the echo of Isaiah 40, the, to talk about his little boy, his little son, would become John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, 
the person who would call out of the wilderness the name of the Lord and to bring the promise and the hope of the messianic age and the savior of the world to the rest of, to, to the nation of Israel and to the world beyond it. That you, my little son, are going to be a blessing to the world. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins because of God's tender mercy. I love this. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Notice that there's not anything in there about you're going to take away, you know, the burden of Rome or you're going to take away, you know, the difficulties of the circumstances and the situation. You go, it's those that sit in darkness who, who yearn for something greater, who, who yearn for a, a word from God, who yearn for something that, that says, you know, there's hope beyond this. There's late light beyond this. It, it's not always going to be this way. That... With the new morning that comes, the light that is spread upon the land is light that is God-directed into your hearts. And there's nothing in this world that can take that away. That the salvation of God to those who look upward and seek his favor and seek his grace and seek his forgiveness and seek his salvation will find it. And you, my little son, you're going to be a part of that. There isn't a parent in this room that doesn't lean over their newborn and wish for them the very best that God has. No different for Zechariah. And yet to have the promise of God upon his own child. Imagine what that would have been like. Imagine. And a whole life, a whole life of wondering if God is always going to be silent. The entire life is now measured in this one moment. And Zechariah could say, you know, it was all worth it to wait upon the Lord, to hear his word, to hear his revelation, and to see it, that is the path that leads to peace. The path that leads to peace. When Christ reveals himself, there is satisfaction in the slenderest portion. And without Christ, there is emptiness in the greatest fullness. That comes from Alexander Gross, a British preacher. You know, as 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 a pastor, I, I you know I've I've joked about this many times. If I had a dollar for every person that says, I wish I just had a little bit of peace in my life. I wish I could just get peace in my life. I wanna I wanna just survey in my experience, the, the four ways we try or attempt to find peace in life. Here, here are the four general paths. Number one, I just can't accept who I am. 
How many? No, don't raise your hands. Yeah. <laughs> One of the most common struggles we have is peace with who we are. You know, uh, you know who I am. I right. Peace with uh, even even with God about who who God made me to be. You know. Why, why couldn't I have been more talented in this way? Why couldn't I have had this ability? Why couldn't I have been better with money? Why couldn't I, you know, not had this difficulty? Why, why, you know, all this stuff. One of, the, one of the greatest inner struggles that we have is finding this piece about who we are as individuals. Who am I? Isn't it, isn't it a, a, you know, a difficulty? How many of you, you know, I, how, how many of you wish you were someone else? You would look at another life and say, you know, they've got it all together. I wish I was them. I wish I was like them. I wish I had that ability. How many of us have that? That's, that's, that's one area of peace. And there's times, you know, there's, there's voices in our heads that take up rent. It should never be allowed to take up rent in our heads. And the things that we tell ourselves and the things that we beat ourselves about over, and over and over again. We try to find peace, but if we can never find peace in who we are as individuals and who God has made us, that peace is always going to be fleeting. Okay? Here's the, here's the second way that we all try to... Embracing the life I've been given, you know? It's... We, that we're given. Why couldn't I, uh, you know, have that position? Why is it that I seem to, everything I try doesn't seem to work out? How come, you know, how come they can have, uh, you know, they can make less than what I do and yet have so much more? Why is it that this, you know, everything seems to happen to me but not happen to them? Why, why, why? You know, if it's bad enough that we can't come to terms with who we are, we, we struggle with, with the life that God has given us. And, you know, hey, hey listen, I know people who are very successful, very professional, uh, have everything going for them, and they're still unhappy with what the life that they have. You know, <laughs> It's kind of freaky too when 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 you're when they come to you for counseling and you're kind of looking at them going, man, I would die for your life, you know, like like you know, <laughs> you know, you ever been in that situation? You know, they're coming to you for help and it's like, well, wait a minute, <laughs> let me get this right, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean, right? But we all, you know, we struggle. Two areas that we struggle with: why, you know, the whole question of why, the whole question of why. It can, it can happen internalized, and, and we can externalize it as well. Here's the third area that we struggle. You know, dependence on others or possessions for satisfaction. You know, if we're unhappy with ourselves and we're unhappy with our circumstances, we, you know, try and find a relationship or something or a possession that will give us the value that we think we need, that will give us the value and the peace that we think it'll give us. How many of us chase things thinking it's going to give us peace? And how many realize that an appetite never gets satisfied? It just continues to become another appetite. and just continues to be another appetite. Continues to be another appetite. Isn't that true? Or, or, or relationships that you think are going to give you what you want. 
or a peace. But they don't. But they don't. You know? Relationships. A peace that doesn't come. Here's number four. Living out my passions. You know, um, I'm really passionate about, about, you know, whatever. And if I just live out my passions, I will have peace. I will be able to, you know, you know, I, I know so many people that just think if I, if I just serve to the maximum, if I just, you know, b- become the best at, at, at what I feel God has given me, that'll give me the peace I'm looking for. And we've all been here. Like, you look at this list, and every one of us can say, yeah, yeah. You know, at some level in our lives, we've been there looking for peace. But, you know, here's, here's the deal with all of these. You may find it for a while, but it's not going to last. You may find it for a while, but it's not going to last. Do you realize that Jesus spoke to every single one of these pursuits? Do you realize that the Bible talks about finding peace in who you are through Christ? That in Christ, we become whole individuals, whole people. That our life is is directed by God and has a purpose, regardless of how we feel about it. That our relationships need to be holy that marriage is an enterprise of holiness, not a pursuit of happiness. Do you know that? That our relationships are meant to build each other up through the difficulties of life. And Jesus said, come to me, all you heart weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And when you live out your passions for Christ, everything becomes a work that honors God. That when we do it just for ourselves, at some point it becomes empty. At some point it becomes a path to nowhere. We may do some good along the way, but it doesn't hold an eternal value. It doesn't hold an eternal purpose. And it's what happens inside of us that all that, that, that peace really resonates, isn't it? There's so much external stuff that, that can happen and all fall into place and be neat and tidy. But there's something about the darkness that lives in us. There's something about the desire that lives in us. There's something about the voices that live in us that need to be quelled, that need to be stilled, that need to be told, that need to be you know, confirmed, that need to be reminded that peace happens here first and foremost inside of us. And Zechariah, as a priest of God who had experienced everything externally, now through the birth of this little baby that was the forerunner of the Messiah, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, that would point people to the Savior of the world. What a privilege it would have been for him. This is, you know, this is the tagline for the series. 
His peace for tomorrow begins by embracing a peace of God today. Zechariah's entire existence was his faith in the promises of God from long ago. And he trusted God's faithfulness. He trusted God, you know, covenant promises. He trusted that God would come through as he said he would. And he may never have known that they, those promises would have come to fruition. He may never have known if he, had, if he would be the witness of what his faith told him to depend on. And yet here he was, able to proclaim the promises of God in a moment in time that made his entire life worth it. Because he held on to that one single piece. There are lots of promises in the Bible. Some of them conditional, some of them unconditional. But there's one thing for sure is that God loves you, every single one of you. We throw that out. It's kind of like, uh, you, know, uh, you know, as people are passing by in the drive-thru, you go, bless you, bless you, bless you, you know, that kind of thing. Right? No, we don't have a drive-thru church here, do we? Okay. Maybe we should serve chicken, you know. Um, I think that's how Church's Chicken started. It was a church, and they started serving chicken, and chicken overtook the services, so they actually started a restaurant. Yeah, anyway. In reality, that's a sad story. Um, But you will never have peace with God without a peace of God that keeps your faith strong. There's something in each and every one of our lives that we long for God to answer, that we long for God to do, that we long for God to make an appearance. Like Zechariah, his entire life was held to the promises of God. And here's what I know. Here's, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Nothing in this life is going to satisfy other than our faith in Jesus Christ. And because of that faith in Jesus Christ, it means my future is secure. It means my eternity is secure. It means the people that I love and I care about that if their faith in Christ is secure, that their future is secure as well. I didn't mean this to be so emotional. Sorry. But peace is a big deal nowadays. Peace is a big deal nowadays. And so many people are struggling to find it. So many people are struggling to find it. And yet, it was delivered in a human package over 2,000 years ago in a way that no one expected because that's the way God works. 
You know, every time this year, every time we, we hear the same story over and over and over and over again, and more and more every year, peace seems to be fleeting from people more and more every year. Let's, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray that for each and every one of you, that you just take a piece of God with you so that you can have the peace of God forever. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. And we ask, Lord, that um, your peace would truly abound this morning. That as we reflect on this beautiful story out of the Gospel of Luke, reminded how the birth of even John the Baptist touched lives in a powerful way and reminded people who long had walked in faith and wondered if you even cared that you indeed were still working out your plan. And the same is true today, that you have not forgotten your people, you have not forgotten your plan, you have not set it aside or, or decided maybe not to go through with it. That your plan still is in place and faith in Christ is still the hope of the world. So, Lord, as we commit this day to you, we thank you for each one that is here. Bless them. May you give us peace beyond understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.